freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 275 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. We have a great show today. You know what our theme is? What is our theme? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We're just going to talk today. We haven't done that in a long time. It should be, can we talk? No. Can we talk? Your your phone is trying to talk to us. So. No. Um, so I thought it'd be a good time for us to just talk. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And, and I want to know what's on Cheryl's mind. Well, and I thought that it would be interesting to ask Danny a specific question. And so that is what is on my mind right now. I've been watching what passes for news, air quotes always. I've been seeing all kinds of false stories flying back and forth and pieces of a partial truth wrapped up in in stuff that's very, very skeptical. And, and as I'm trying to go and unravel it for myself, which is very time consuming, right? I'm realizing, you know, how difficult that is. We are in the age of information. Wouldn't you think that in the age of information, you would actually get information, right? And actually, yes, we're getting information. But how much of it is verifiable? factual you know we're also in the age of unverified sources but if you no wait we don't do that anymore. anonymous sources we don't say that anymore we don't say unverified what we say is what i say is what it is mm. we're, we're we're past that the uh the news now is we say it it's the truth mm-hmm. bottom line mm-hmm. there's no facts they don't need them they can change the laws they can do whatever they want mm-hmm. and they don't have to um have a standard it's yeah. whatever we want yeah so um basically if you haven't figured it out by now we are our guests today we are just well, welcome going to the show to, welcome to the show dan great to have you back the other guy um and so really what on the topic of that where you know we're in the age of information but really i feel like we're in the age of confusion about the information we get i started thinking about okay in my life there are certain teachers that I've had. There have been certain books that I've read. There have been certain even movies that I've watched that are like touchstones for me, like a little mental touchstone. Not like touchstone pictures. Not like touchstones pictures. Pickers. 
touchstone pickers. Um, that's the way our granddaughter says pictures. Uh, so, you know, I've done a lot of schooling. I've done a ton of reading. I go to, you know, educational conferences. I, I just am always doing those maybe more traditional um, things that help build my, you know, mental repertoire. And you know, that could be dangerous. Repertoire, there's a word. Yeah, that could be dangerous. It can, because if- You're being fed information mm -hmm. by people who want you to be, to influence you to be whatever, they, because we don't even know if that information is true. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, so some of the touchstones that I have had, my, uh, I had a history of world religions teacher who was amazing because we would discuss, you know, class would start, we would really dive into, you know, whichever religion we were talking about, Buddhism or, or, you know, just pick one. And by the end of the class, you know, the classmates, our classmates would just be kind of like, wow, that is really interesting because there are, you know, there are familiar things you know, I, I was raised Christian. So there are familiar things in, in all of the major mm -hmm. religions, world religions. And so, you know, they would take a th that thing and, and then they would expand on it in each individual religion. And so you could find yourself being like really drawn in and going, oh, wow. Well, holy cow. Maybe, maybe I need to look deeper into Buddhism, right? Like maybe, you know, and I think it's healthy to, to question every once in a while, like, why, why am I conservative? Why am I a Christian? Why am I, you know, and, and challenge your own thought processes. And I do that to myself all the time. I am, you know, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the devil's advocate <clears throat> of everything. Um, and so we get to the end of the class and then my teacher would go, or maybe not. <laughs> and like, it would wake you up out of your reverie and he would just go, or maybe not. And so I thought that was brilliant. And um, so that's a touchstone. And the other one that is so powerful for me in weird times like this, where you can't really put your hands on, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. But I don't really know that I can know what the truth is, is my statistics uh, teacher. And I'm telling you, I would have to go back and, you know, review math and that sort of thing to, to, tell you really what else about statistics I learned, but this was powerful to me. My statistics teacher would say, you can be, you can get a result from your, your survey, your experiment, your whatever. That's 99.99999. You carry those nines out as long as you want to percent of what you want it to showing, be. Right? Well, that's true too. Showing a a causation, mm -hmm. right? What you think, really what it would show is a correlation, but your brain wants to go causation. So you can get a nine, 99.9999. And he goes, and all you really know is you don't know anything at all. Right. Yeah. Because the truth could lie in that sure. end piece. So, so I just have a skeptical, I hope it's a healthy skepticism but I have a skeptical way of interacting with the world. I'm always, you know, trying to, you know, play, play the devil's advocate in my own mind. Okay. But what's the alternative hypothesis? That's the other word that I got from, um, 
from my studies, I think it was psychology that, you know, okay, you have a hypothesis, you're going to want to make your experiment, right? Mm -hmm. Fit that, right? That confirmation bias. So you always have to be thinking about, well, what is the alternative hypothesis or what are multiple alternative hypotheses? And um, anyway, so that's kind of how I approach this anytime, but especially right now, this craziness of it's really hard to know what is true and what isn't true. Um, But so where I was going with all of that is, so I have like these traditional pathways to learning and I have degrees and whatever. And Dan has not had those traditional, you have not had those traditional paths. (laughs) You have really just learned from doing. Yeah. So the difference is, and, and I caution both of them, Mm -hmm. but I want to get to your statistics first, Mm -hmm. because if I'm, if I'm a professor and I, and I want to convince my students that, let's say, Biden is a saint. Mm-hmm. Then I could go and I could go to a, a an area that I could get you 99.9.99% of people that say Biden is the saint. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, there are a couple of photos that are going around that I saw. And it looks like he has a halo in his background. And it's like, tell me that wasn't because it's perfectly centered, Mm -hmm. perfectly centered. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so if, and that's the problem with, I think with some parts of education, these professors don't want to teach the facts. They want to teach you what they think. Mm -hmm. They want to teach you what they know Mm -hmm. and they can prove it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've interviewed thousands of people and they all think he's a saint. So that's first. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that Okay, so if we based our education pure off, off history mm-hmm. and honest history, mm-hmm. then this world would be a much better place that we live in today. Okay. Because we learn from, and here's why. But what is honest history? <clears throat> I'll tell you so what honest history is. Traditionally, the, whoever is in power, whoever mm-hmm. won the latest war, right. you know, won the hearts and minds of the people, they are the ones that right. get to tell the story yeah, there from their perspective with their bias. And so um, that, that statement, I agree with you, but then you have to dig into it and right. you go, but what is right? Because we don't know, is, you know, you know, I mean, but we have seen in the last 20 years, maybe how they're trying to twist the history. You know, there's people that say, well, there's people say the world is flat. Mm-hmm. There's people that say the Holocaust never happened. Mm-hmm. We know it happened. Mm-hmm. I have photos to prove that it happened. Mm-hmm. But the but the thing is, they twist it so one is it's justifiable, mm-hmm. or two that it never happened, mm-hmm. and so that's wrong. But so let's let's talk about your your history with education, and going through getting your certificates, things like that. Now we're going to talk about mine. Yeah. Okay. What are your touchstones? I was born in 1955, 55. which is a long, long time ago in a <laughs> galaxy far away but i i did go to high school you know i did get through high school and i took a couple years of uh, junior college and i'll tell you my history is my life the things that i did okay so you know if you talk if you talk 
mean to a group of people and you get your butt kicked, you either die or you don't do that again. Right? Learn some diplomacy, it's, it's, it's perhaps. It's a school of hard knocks. And I, I, I do think there's a place for people with high education. I think that they can get through things mm -hmm. uh, sometimes much quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also um, some credit on what what we do with our life experiences. If you give me an example, I used to be an operations manager at a major freight company. And when I got hired there, they took me in as not being a college degree person. But then after they hired me, and not because they hired me, they decided to go, we need people with an education. Okay. <laughs> not, okay, now that we've right, experienced Dan, right. we need some but, people with some college education but, in here. You know, <sighs> while I was there, three or four people with college educations, high-end education, yeah. lost their job because they couldn't do it. Because yes. there's so much involved in yes. the hard knocks. And and I, I have another example, like gunsmithing. Okay, I started working on guns probably around 12 or so like that. And I, I took no school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now it might take, it might be harder for me to do things than it is for somebody that went through a four-year course, mm -hmm. but there's things I can do that a person went through a four-year course that they can't do mm -hmm. because it's like, it's, it's, it's not written down somewhere. Right. It's not something that they were taught. Right. And so there, I mean, I would love if I could go back to go through my school of hard knocks, but also have a little bit of education because I'd be a superstar. Superstar. Right? No, I don't want to go back to any well, time in my life. I am always looking forward. But no, I, I love what you're saying about that because there is a lot about, especially people that just are are knowledge junkies or you know, learning junkies, um, that it's all theoretical. You know, it seems like right. things should work this way. Or if we could just X, then magically Y is gonna be the result, right? right? Well, if you've ever been a parent, you know the, <laughs> the fallacy in that thinking, right? You have two kids or more, you same parents, same household, you're raised in the same way, and they end up being as different as night and day. Right. So just as a, a small snippet. And so it's the, the actual doing of things that kind of weeds out the wheat from the chaff. And I think that's kind of what you were saying about um, working at that freight company. Um, so when you, let me talk about this. Where do you think you learned your work ethic from? Let's start there. My dad. Okay. And how did you do, how did he? Well, when I that? first, when I first started working, cause I started working like when I was again, 12, it seemed like the light came on and I worked part-time, but my dad always said, you know, and my dad was tough. He was hard to work for. I love him, but he was hard to work for. But it's like, if you do something, do it right mm -hmm. and do it, finish the job. And, and I catch myself now hearing that voice. Mm -hmm. It's just like, right. You know, I just got off COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired. No, no, no movement at all. And um, no drive, no energy. Right. And so I, I got really sucks I got, it out of you. I got better. I got to about 90%. And then I had this big load of ammunition. I mean, we're talking probably 20,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. And it had to be hand picked up and hand stacked. And I was on one of the last trailer loads. And I, I, I just said, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And I go, what if I do half of it, a quarter of it? Mm -hmm. And then I did the quarter and said, then I, and then pretty soon it was done. Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of the way he was is you do the job till it's done. Mm -hmm. And you move on. And I worked alongside my dad for probably five years at the same company, moving furniture. And they, he just, he was a hard worker. No, you can do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, walk it off, that kind of thing. <laughs> and there, you know, it worked, it worked. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's why, if you would call us successful, that's why we are, is because we don't just say, hey, let's try this. Oh, no, it's not going to work. Absolutely. Um, so that, that work ethic, you know, it's not just a stick to itiveness. It's also a, you know, how do I eat this elephant problem? Right. It's just one bite at a time. You right. just you don't look at the whole project, just keep chunking at it, chunking at it. Um, and really that idea of, you know, do it right the first time. That's a biggie for me my uh grandma, you try to do it right the first time you don't always but you just you try right? thank thank you for pointing that out that i don't i don't always appreciate that well it's you. valuable for our listeners <laughs> um no that's actually true but uh it, it was my grandma who actually was um like she's that voice in my head because when i was about 12 we had uh, switch up in our, our family dynamic. And someday I'll tell that story. That's that when you're 12. See when I was I mean? 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pivotal time, I think yeah. in people's lives. And so we lived, uh, me and my three brothers lived with my grandma for a while. And my dad, he was there too, but he was at work all the time. And so she's trying to take this wild pack of, you know, feral children and, you know, cause them to fit neatly into her household that was just her and my grandpa up until the time that the we all kind of just landed in on her doorstep and I mean sweeping the floor like that is my my mental image sweeping the floor and I would say I was done feel like I was done my grandma would come in and she would instantly and I say it's magic eyes I've used that myself with my with my daughter and my husband sometimes is like, how come I'm the only one that can see what's wrong here? You know, I have magic eyes. And she would walk in and she's like, well, the middle of the floor looks good, but how about under you, the edge? How about you in pick, that corner? Why did you pick sweeping? Because it's one of my things. Me too. And isn't that weird? So I, uh, she wouldn't just have me fix what was wrong. Like she would put the dirt that I had in my dustpan back on the floor and have me start all over wow. again. And so it, that is kind of my thing is I don't want to, I hate having to redo anything. So I would rather be very methodical, maybe not as fast as the person next to me, but just very careful in how I do things so that when I turn around, there's no magic eyes. They're going to see the thing I missed. Right. So, but what were you going to no, say? I just said, you know, sweeping is a funny subject because that's a very sore subject to me. <laughs> I like the floors to be clean. And uh, I remember I was 12 working for beacons as a maintenance kind of guy, mm -hmm. you know, just on weekends. They, it was a charity thing they did for me, but, and there was a guy that was about 70 years old that worked there. His name was Carl. And by the way, Carl could beat me up five flights of stairs racing we did a race like once a week and every time he beat me and he's 70 and i was 12 <laughs> <clears throat> but that'll he, teach you a few things too right he, about whoa but he don't be you know you think you can just sweep 
he taught me to sweep like art mm-hmm. that it gets done and how the best way to get it done mm-hmm. now we used one of those uh dry mops a lot mm-hmm. but um it's funny because there's a right way and a wrong way and i see people all the time with the dry mop and they don't know what they're doing yeah because it just just making the job you know, harder for themselves that or not correct not you know? getting it done so enough. you know it's it's again it's that worth ethics it's guy 70 year old guy took the time to teach me yeah. how to do something right if you're going to do it do it this way it'll go quicker you'll be done and it'll look great and you'll be proud of what you did yeah so well and it also took you um paying attention right yeah. valuing his input in your life and even you know maybe kind of using that little bit of a competitive thing about you know look, I'm 70 and I, I'm at the top of the stairs and you're just getting started. Um, those are all wonderful things because he didn't use it to squash you. No, no. And you, you paid a close enough attention that you didn't just go, okay, boomer, which yeah. is a kind of a big problem we're having right now right. with young people that they just want to, you know, discount um, the life experience that, that the next generation and the one before that have to offer and we're seeing that right now i mean look at it i mean my my life probably started at 12 where i was learning those those things i'm 65 now so that if you just went back just just go back 20 years ago mm-hmm. and look at the 12 year old kids at 20 years ago mm-hmm. and their worth or their work ethics are not the same and mm-hmm. then so then you go back 10 years look at the 12 year olds mm-hmm. and they're and and it we're getting weaker mm-hmm. um you know moving this ammo around i'm thinking oh my gosh world war ii think about that mm. these guys are out in the muddy dirt mm. and all that and they have to lug this ammo mm-hmm. and w- what do they just say i can't do it mm-hmm. no their friends are getting shot up mm-hmm. they're doing it they're mm-hmm. going they're they're carrying it wherever it has to be done because that's what you have to do yeah. and there's a difference and see people don't realize that if they want a successful life and a happy life they have to they have to do these things mm-hmm. they're not going to be handed it to them like by the government so the next question i wanted to ask you is um you know we've owned several businesses small businesses uh since we've been married how many years quiz 36 coming up 36 coming up good job um and you know so i was 18 when we got married you were a little older than 29 and so you had already had, you know, life experience in owning your own business before we ever even met. And so a lot of the, the idea of, well, we're going to open a business and then what, mm-hmm. you know, I was just completely learning on the job and just completely like looking at you for, for guidance. And then of course I have to pick up a book or, you know, something like that and, and uh, start, you know, learning from other people. But uh, where did you learn it? Like, and what, what is it about being self-employed that keeps you wanting to do it with all of the crazy hardships that come with being not only your own boss, but the employer for other people? Uh, there's so much about it that you would, other people might look at it and go, why, why would you do that? And yet we've done it multiple times. So where did you learn how to do it? And did you learn more from your successes or failures? And 
what kind of brain damage do you and I have that we keep that's all keep that's, that's a two-hour show right there <laughs> but just again my dad my dad's worth that work ethic mm -hmm. and a friend of mine Roger Emery He's still alive, I hope. I haven't heard from him for a while, but he helped me get started in my first business mm -hmm. without being a partner. He just truly gave to me the ability to open my own business. And I, I think about him all the time and I really appreciate what he did for me because that was the, that was the fork, okay? I was working full-time at a company and then I was offered this business. And he taught me the basics. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, it's funny. It's like, okay, so you either survive or you don't survive. And so you do what it takes to survive if you want to survive. Or you just give up if you can't. Now, some people, you can't make it. You know, things happen and you can't. So I'm not saying that people that lose businesses are weak. Mm -mm. They're not. Mm -mm. But the, all kind of forces coming times, against you that cause that <clears throat> there have been times that i work that i worked 18 20 hours a day to shift things and there have been times that i thought that it wasn't going to work but mm. i just continued on and that's a worth ethic ethics and just the school of hard knocks again okay so I'll, let's talk about our business that we have right now i started those with my ideas and my background of what i do right mm -hmm. then some missy stepped in there and said well if we did this <laughs> and some it was hard. missy who it, would know, that be you know it was hard for the first for a while because you know this is your space you this is what you do and then come somebody comes in and says well if we did this yeah and it was hard yeah but then i'm going to give some credit to a person a group or organization dave ramsey mm -hmm. dave ramsey um put the light in my head and um so cheryl was able to come in and and make changes that i still do my hard knocks hard stuff but she had some ideas that help things grow and so you people out there that are that are married or have a partner you know listen to them because they might have an idea that could help you some of them are hard some of them i don't like some of them I think are great. And, and sometimes I wake up in the morning and go, we wouldn't have got this if it would have been for what you did. Thank you. For you know, that. Well, we wouldn't and, have even had a business for me to come in and start uh, right. you know, so throwing it, knees so and elbows and bringing weird ideas in yeah. if you hadn't started it no, or had the idea to start it. It's a teamwork. So. And, uh, you know, and all this, you know, we're, we're a gun freedom radio. Mm -hmm. And we talk about work ethics and stuff like that. And that ties in really close to being a responsible gun owner. It so does. And that is the perfect segue, beautifully done. You didn't even know that's where I was going next is, so we've talked about kind of like, you know, our solid principles, mm -hmm. you know, the things that, you know, I felt like I pulled from reading or class or whatever, things that you pulled from, you know, doing all the different jobs you've had and the, and the people that you've worked alongside and and who have mentored you so we've got those those principles and then we've got you know that that you have to actually do something you can't just stay in a theoretic place you've right. got to actually do something so now let's talk about you know not just that we have a gun store az firearms um but we are vocal 
outspoken advocates. We are, and I, I like to kind of juxtapose the word advocate, which I think means implies, you know, speaking positively of what we love versus activists. Activists somehow over the years has gotten sort of a, an angry connotation to it. Like, a, you know, let's talk about right. what's bad. I think we're more advocates, but you, you've got to be able to, to hold both of those things, you know, to, to be effective and understand, you know, what it is you're working against and what it is you're working for. Right. So where did that come from? I'm not talking about our history of, well, first we had the store right. and then we had the show in, <clears throat> in your insides. So I, I have the answer to that. Where right. did that come from for you? I have that answer. Okay, so we have a gun shop because I I love guns. I love the mechanics of guns. And that's an interesting thing too, is that there are a lot of people that we've known over the years that are like, oh, you guys must go shooting all the time. And we're like, we no, we're working all the and time. And I love to well, shoot. Well, you guys must go hunting. No, I, we're working all the time. And I love to shoot. Right. But, but the mechanics of the guns is what's But it is, me. it is. And, right. and that's, maybe we'll have that conversation someday, but it really is, you know, you love, um, pocket watches, right? Because of the mechanics, right? You and I just can't see them. Coin operated, right? Coin up stuff. Um, you know, like pinball games and and yeah. jukeboxes because there's that, and slot machines because there's that that mechanical, mechanical mechanism yeah. angle that you love, and so let you me, love guns, right? So let let's finish this up. So I I like guns, and that's why we have a gun shop. I love them, and I love the history of the guns. I love everything else. What I also love is our freedoms, okay? And the reason we have this radio show is not because we have a gun shop. Everybody needs to know. We don't have the radio show because we have a gun shop. We have a gun shop because we love guns, but we have a radio show because we love our freedoms. And if we didn't have the gun show, if a gun shop, so there's some reason that I close the store down or just decide I don't want to do that anymore, I would not stop with what we do here mm -hmm. because our freedom is so important mm -hmm. and we're so close to losing it. We are losing, well, we've already lost some of our freedom. Mm -hmm. And so they, they all interlock together, mm -hmm. but they have nothing to do with each other mm -hmm. in, in the same way. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, other people say, well, you got a gun shop, so you have a radio show because it funds this or that or that. That's not true. Mm -hmm. We, we really are passionate about, everybody having their rights kept, you know, mm -hmm. uh, alive. So. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So you, I think we would say that, you know, we, we really want to protect and preserve our, our <clears throat> constitutional freedoms that, that are our inheritance given to us freely by the fact that we were born on the soil of which this we're nation. Quite fast right now. Which we're maybe, hopefully not. You know what I mean? They can threaten it, but if, and if we just sit back, then yeah, we're going to lose it. But that's what you and I are partially what we're doing with this show and with the speaking events that, that we go to and that sort of thing. But, um, but we want this for everyone, right? We want the freedoms that were handed down to us for everyone, even people that hate us, even people that hate the idea of our constitution we want that for everyone. The guns, the actual tools, you know, we're, we're not forcing anybody 
right? We're, we're just, you know, so there, there really are different issues. The, the other side that wants to take our rights are trying to force on us something right. that they believe that removes something from our lives right. and says, you can't have that thing and you can't have these freedoms. We are just saying, no, we just want the, the opportunity and the availability, but we aren't forcing anybody to, to go own a gun. Right. And there, my next door neighbor, I don't, as long as he doesn't infringe on my rights, I won't, and I don't infringe on his. And that's what the constitution is all about. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact that, you know, just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Let me have my constitutional rights mm -hmm. and I won't take your constitutional rights away because me owning a firearm has nothing to do with the next door neighbor. No, nothing. Zero. If I had a gun on a cannon sitting out in the front of the store right. or in front of the house has nothing that affects him. I think you said that better than I did. Um, so we need to start wrapping up, but I, I just, could I, could, before we wrap it up, I, I do have one qu question that, mm. that really, I don't understand about the constitution. Okay. Okay. So was the constitution written and is it for the U S citizens that live in the United States or does the constitution protect anybody that crosses that border? Mm -hmm. That is a, that's a, I, I've never heard anybody tell me. So I, as a U.S. citizen, am protected by the Constitution, mm -hmm. but is an illegal person that crosses the borderline now also protected by the Constitution? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is maybe a great homework project. And I know that we've had a couple of guests on in the past that we have posed that question to. And um, so I think that that might be something that it's one of those moments where everybody goes and they do, they do their own, like, let's not spoon feed. Let's not baby bird our audience. You guys go and, and figure that out. That's a great discussion around the dinner table or in the carpool or on your next, um, you know, Sunday drive somewhere is, you know, which is the way that it is and what would you think it should be, right? Right. It's, and then that right. even explores in your own heart and mind, like, well, what do I mean? It should be like, you know, so I, I'm just going to leave that for people to, um, to explore for themselves. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. I like it. And um, of course, our constitution, our little pocket constitution that I'm always holding up here on the air, that's like, takes you like an hour to read. There's been all kind of stuff, addendums and, you know, whatever's added to it. Uh, but you've got to start here. If you're going to understand it at all, you've got to start here. And uh, the thing I was going to bring up real quick before we, we close out is, you know, for me, that, that idea that someone worked really, really hard, fought, bled, starved, and died to secure something. Mm -hmm. And then when they passed, I inherited it. That to me, I mean, I feel the weight of that responsibility very, very heavily. And maybe it's part of my life experience. You know, we, with our auction house, pot of gold estate auctions, we are settling out people's estates they're all the stuff that they collected and gathered over the years the things that they treasured and and took very very good care of and and you know they they want their kids and grandkids to value it 
and want them to, you know, take the family photo album. But we've actually experienced where there's people that, well, they want the thing that they can sell on eBay because there's money involved, but they don't want the family photo album. But the, the person who passed, that's what they would have really wanted these kids and grandkids to value. So it's heartbreaking to have worked that closely with, well, that's with hard. situations that's like hard, that. Because there's some that are hoarders that, you know, I'm, I'm helping a friend of mine right now. And it's really interesting because he has a son and we're helping him you know, he's, he's not terminal, he's not sick or anything like that, but he just wants to, you know, he's up there in age and he wants to settle his estate. And so the first thing he does is ask the kid, the kid said, well, what do you want? He says, dad, I only want the things that were part of the family in the past. My grandpa's shotgun. Right. Your, and that's your what I'm saying. Gun. That to me is like right. the family photo right. album, and, but, but there's other families that right. that next just generation, money. yeah, just money. they just, and want that's the, the thing items. is it like, uh, some kids would say, dad, don't sell nothing right now. Don't do nothing. I'll wait till you die. Then I'll sell everything and I'll get all the money. Mm -hmm. um, but he raised his kids, right. Mm -hmm. And his kids said, dad, all I care about is what was important to you. Absolutely. I don't, I don't care about anything else. Absolutely. And so we do have those. And I've seen people throw away photo. I just, I was part of an estate that had over 6,000 pounds of military memorabilia. They paid a hauling company they paid them to throw it away mm. we stopped it i bought it and i paid a lot of money for it mm -hmm. because there are autographs and there's just all kinds of history and memorabilia that it's going to take me a year to go through mm -hmm. that was going to be taken to the dumpster crazy so and that's it taken to the <clears throat> dumpster right, right. so gone. if we don't value the photo album well where's it going to go? Probably the hard. dumpster. If we don't value our constitution, where's it going to go? But it's hard because I have like, from my mom and dad, I have a photo album. Mm -hmm. I don't know who anybody is in there. Right on the back of your picture. Well, right. now everything's digital. Right. Well, educate, so I don't know. You know educate, I don't know. <laughs> you know, talk to your, you know, maybe part of the reason the kids aren't interested is because you don't right. make Sit it down part with of it. them. Look through the right. photo album, go through those memories. I we're fortunate that our daughter has always loved doing that. Yeah. And now our granddaughter, who's uh, six, she um, over the course of the holidays, our daughter stuck in um, a VHS tape. Does anybody remember what a VHS tape is? Well, we actually still have a player for a VHS tape. And so she stuck in like a family movie uh, family video from w when the time that our daughter Cassie was about two, which is the age of, of uh, our youngest granddaughter. And so we have the six-year-old granddaughter and she is seeing her mom at the age of her little sister. And, you know, you might think, oh, it doesn't apply. That's not me on the screen that I don't care. There's some kids, I, some, sometimes I guess when that happens. Uh, but she loved it so much that now every time she comes over to my house, she wants to watch the baby movies yeah. of her mommy. And I mean, holy cow, is that ever precious and not just precious as in sweet, but precious as in seeing that maybe we really are right. passing along. And that's, that it's, it's your responsibility. If you have a collection and you want your kids to be 
uh, that want them to hang on to that collection, mm -hmm. you have to get them involved. You can't just put it in a closet and say, hey, when I pass away, you get this. Right. You got to get them involved. Right. And like my 25 automatic collection came from part of it came from my dad. And I we searched for guns. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we have to wrap it up, Cheryl. We so do. We are running long. But but yes, that is the point that I'm trying to make is that if this document just sits in a museum somewhere, sits on a shelf somewhere, then we aren't helping the next generation understand what it is, where it came from, what was sacrificed so that it could even be written. Um, and those stories are amazing. Yes, they are. So, um, so that is, it's important to, to care about it, to read it, to help the next generation care about it and read it. But where I was originally going with it is that somebody just posted up a video. Um, and again, it could be that the things that he posted in the video only showed us what made his point, right? It could have been confirmation bias at play. Uh, so I did consider that while I was watching it. But he went to Harvard uh, College and he said that he was polling people like he's a man on the street. Hey, I'm just here taking, you know, uh, what do you think of the, the Constitution and the idea that it should be repealed? What do you think? Should we repeal it or not? Like, rip, like the whole thing just rolled back, just put in the shredder. So he could have picked people that maybe he already had some clue, mm -hmm. right? We're going to say, yeah, repeal it so that it's dramatic on his video. He could have, it could have been the way that he phrased his question. What's a constitution? <laughs> could have been the way he phrased his question to, to lean in. You know, sometimes people, they just want to give right. you what they, what you, they know you want, but they don't really feel it in their heart. You know, it's just, they know you for five seconds and off they go. Um, Cause it's people just walking across campus and they got their backpacks on and you know, they're, they're on their way to somewhere. I mean, there are a lot of things that could have played into this. And again, I want you to be critical thinkers and always, you know, don't just fall for the, the, the dramatic headline that the, the guy that put the time into making the video wants you to fall for so that you'll click, right. And then share. Um, but anyway, he said he went to Harvard and he asked people, do you think we should repeal the constitution? Um, 65% of the people he talked to said, yes, we should. Oh my gosh. 65%. So let's say even half of that's true, right? Now, now we're at 32 and a half percent, right? That's a third of the, the people going to Harvard. Well, what does that mean about what they learned or didn't learn growing up? What does that mean about, you know, have they ever even read it? Um, Should have asked first if they knew what the constitution was. Yeah. Good point. But so here on the show, we talk a lot about the Constitution. I hold it up. I show you how thin it is. I say, you got to invest an hour and read it. And then I heard that. I saw that video and I'm like, so could there be 65% of the people that hear the sound of our voices, not just across our nation, but across the entire world? Because wherever there is internet, we have listeners. People mm -hmm. are hungry for freedom. Hungry to hear about guns and freedom, um, but then are they are they hungry to understand what it is and and read about it and practice it? I don't know. But what if a third of everybody that's hearing us, or or even this dramatic sixty five percent, 
they could care less. They think that this is garbage and, and should just be, you know, thrown in the shredder, completely peeled back. Then I'm not, I'm, I'm making the wrong points. If that's true, I'm making the wrong point. <clears throat> well, look at because Venezuela. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move a person's heart that right. feels that way. Look at the look at the people that escaped from Venezuela and came over here because they love our constitution and our you know the rights that we have. So well, uh, they love the rights we have. Do they do they know that they come from this document the, and do they know what was invested in individual people's that lives we, that were invested in getting this document written? The ones that came here. And it was hard for them to get here and the ones that really wanted to get here know about the constitution and what it was and what it means but the problem is again we're going we went to harvard right they did the interview in harvard and it comes back to our education that we talked about you don't teach what you don't want them to want mm -hmm. so if we don't tell people that the constitution was handwritten by george washington and several others and that they fought and bled and didn't get to stay in the comforts of their homes and lost family members for us to be free. Mm -hmm. If they were taught that hard, then there's no way that you would get one person at Harvard that would say, what do you mean? Get, get off this campus, you communist. <laughs> right? Probably. That's what they would say. Probably. I mean, you look at the 1950s and 60s, if you said something bad about the constitution, you were probably considered a communist. And back then, that was not a compliment. No. Nowadays, wasn't. maybe it's a compliment. But all right, we've got to wrap. This right. was fun. Right. It I enjoyed was. it. Hey, uh, nice to know you. Nice to know you. Good, good chatting. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you so much. Really, this conversation was fun for us, but we could have this, you know, driving down the road. Uh, the fact that we brought it here uh, to to you all, it it shows that we're hoping that that you'll pick up pieces of it and and have those conversations with your family with your spheres of influence so and we know that you're doing that and we so appreciate it i heard it. a guy on the radio yesterday and i didn't hear the exact word he said but he says have conversations with people even if you don't agree with them mm -hmm. don't have arguments but have conversations mm -hmm. it will open your mind it will open their mind and then they will think about it and so have those conversations. Absolutely. 100% agree. All right. And if you want to go back and listen to any of our other episodes, you go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on demand tab and binge, binge listen, listen to, to your, your heart's, heart's content. content. Darling. Uh, darling. And uh, if you want to see uh, pictures and bios and links to any of the guests that we've ever had on the show, including us, both of us are on there, uh, click the guest tab. Tab. And uh, it's an incredible resource of some subject matter experts that uh, will enrich your life if you spend some time learning about what they know. Uh, and uh, it, it, we don't hate it when you spend some time on our website. So um, yeah, bin, binge listen and binge read. All right, everybody. Until next time. I mean it. I'm not just saying it. It's not just a closing tagline. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders, representatives, people who are in positions to impact the lives around them, but you our keep, personal lives. You cannot say leaders. This is the United States. We do not have leaders. Somewhere in our lives, we all have leaders. We all look to people as a leader, as a mentor, as a, so I think it's okay to say leaders. Of course, I'm 
kind of thinking about the people in politics when I say the word. No, because a leader has to be a leader. We we only have a few politicians that are leaders. Okay. All of them, Cheryl? <laughs> All of them, Cheryl? All of them, Dan. Okay. Even the ones you don't like. Especially the ones I don't like? Especially the ones you don't like. All right, everybody. Awesome. Have a great week. Be good to each other. And God bless. Bye-bye.